This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly filling in for Big Daddy Graham with you for the next three plus hours. We have a lot to get to throughout the course of the show. A little later on, as you just heard Ricky and I uh, discussing during the crossover, we'll get to where all professional sports stand right now. Uh, we'll do that in a little bit as uh, another big week on tap. The last two weeks, you've seen um, significant developments and a significant difference in tone uh, when talking about whether sports are going to come back, when they're going to come back, all that stuff. I mean, I, I sat here two weeks ago this morning, and things were not looking very optimistic. They did not have a very optimistic feel to them, uh, but things have changed dramatically over the last couple weeks. Um, and again, this week uh, is another one as, uh, you know, a lot of plans in the works, a lot of things coming together, but this is the week that I feel uh, everything is going to be finalized. The NBA will finalize their plan. The NHL will finalize their plan to resume their season and Major League Baseball, hopefully, hopefully, uh, they'll be able to reach an agreement and uh, officially put together plans and finalize the plans for spring training 2.0, as they're calling it, uh, to start up uh, in about two weeks here. Phil's um, made the decision they will not go back down to Florida. They'll be having spring training over at the bank. Uh, so we will uh, hopefully have that happening in the middle of June with baseball beginning in the beginning of July. So we'll get more into that a little later on. Um, I do want to talk a little more about the match. I talked some about it last night, uh, but uh, I, I I found it interesting on a lot of levels, not just that it was fun to watch. It was fun to watch, and I did enjoy uh, a lot of it. I enjoyed a lot of the trash talk, a lot of the banter, that kind of stuff. But um, it really gives a blueprint, I think, for how sports can – uh, you know, do their telecasts and execute things uh, as they come back here without fans. It's going to be different, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be worse or it has to be worse. Uh, I, I think there are a lot of things that the TV networks in conjunction with the leagues can do uh, to make this look good, to make it feel as normal as possible and for it to be an enjoyable broadcast on TV. Um uh, some other things as well. Uh, Mike Angelina in tonight. We had, uh, and you know what that means. We have a Gabe Kapler check-in. Mike, I know we're two and a half hours away, maybe even more, 
from the Gabe check-in, but can you just give us a little tease as to what we have on tap from the Giants manager this morning? Gabe has written out what is undoubtedly the best lineup card he's ever written out. Um, with the Giants? Well, wow. Yeah, it's not with the Giants, okay. and it's better. It's certainly better than the team Matt Klintak handed him. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll get Gabe talking about his lineup, uh, some of the things he, he's had fun with creating the lineup. He's going head-to-head with Dave Roberts. With uh, He has an ex-Philly on his bench, and uh, Dave Roberts is an ex-Philly, both icons on his bench as well. Hmm. I'm interested to see what this uh, what this entails. Maybe this is a show fantasy draft, something like that, an old-timer draft maybe? I don't know. We'll, it, we'll have to yeah, check it it's out. it's a simulation. I'll give you that. Okay. So we'll have to check that out. I, I was very upset last night, by the way. Uh, Kyle Quinn was producing, and this gentleman, I believe it was Frank and Brumall was his name. He didn't want to come on the air, but he did call Kyle just out of the blue to weigh in on our feud and said he sides with me 100% in our feud. Why? I, I don't know. I wish I could have spoken to him about it. Frank, if you're out there, if I do have your name right, I think I do. Kyle just says during the break, he's like, some guy called in and he wanted to – yeah, and he's just telling me how much he takes your side and your and Mike's feud. And I was very disappointed uh, that he didn't want to come on the air. Um, but yeah, if he's out, to... I'd love to hear from him. Well, so I have a, uh, I have a rival in Frank and Brumall. Yeah, and and, 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 you. and another uh, good listener, I, I appreciate this gentleman's name. I don't have the tweet up in front of me, but he called or he uh, tweeted at me uh, that he would really prefer me. Uh, Robert, Robert is his name, Robert Malice. He's a retired educator. He he says he's really tired of me referring to us as me and Mike Angelina. It should be Mike Angelina and I. <laughs> so I, I guess grammatically on the air, you know, I'm talking fast. I, I'm not thinking of all that, but I'm going to try to try to clean up my grammar uh, for Robert. Well, going you're, forward. you're known to talk trash. I am. I'm known to talk trash. So I will try to uh, clean that stuff up. Uh, moving forward here but we got a fun show on tap and um, you know I want to do something a little bit different tonight since there's not a ton going on locally I think that's going to change and we'll get into the local stuff later on with the leagues and how it's going to affect all the Philadelphia teams Um, but uh, over the past couple weeks in sports so much has seemed to center around some of the greats of all time, as we're in this period with no live events, uh, it, it's it's fun to look back, get nostalgic, and when you do that, uh, whether you're watching an old game or you're watching a, a player from the past, you always tend to go back and center your attention around the greatest of all time. I mean. Look at the last dance over the last few weeks, which I I talked about at the end of my show last night, but I want to recap it again uh, tonight, give my final review on it. But uh, look at how that documentary over the last five weeks captured people's attention in this country. I mean, the ratings for it were absolutely off the charts. I think it was something like 5.6 million per week. We're tuned in live to the last dance. That's not even accounting for all the people who said, I'll just record it and save it for later, like I did. I would record it and, and watch it on Monday morning when I got home. But uh, the, the, the need for sports, the need to watch some 
watch greatness uh, inspired so many people to go to that documentary and watch it like it was a live sporting event. Uh, This weekend centered around some of the greatest in sports with the match, which I thought was tremendous. And we'll get to that a little later on and some of the some of the good sound that came from it. But Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, two of the best golfers of their generation. Certainly Tiger, you know, you can argue with Phil, but but uh, Phil is uh, a beloved golfer and, and certainly one of the greats. Uh, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, I think everybody would agree the best two quarterbacks uh, of the last two decades, Brady, I think unquestionably, is the best quarterback of all time. But, uh, you know, two of the best to ever do it. And even them playing a different sport is somebody is something that people want to watch because you want to watch these best athletes of all time really do anything. They, 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 people gravitate to them. People want to watch them in their element. People want to watch these guys compete. Sunday, the debut of another documentary dealing with the greatest of all time, which I watched um, this morning with Lance Armstrong. You know, a great athlete, but also flawed. Uh, the doping alleg- allegations, the horrible, nasty attitude that he had for so long to people. Um, I-, I watched that documentary uh, this morning, or yesterday, and um, it was very good, but I got to tell you, already two episodes in, I guess it's only four episodes long in total, or, you know, two parts, two hours each part, um, Lance Armstrong, not a very likable guy, uh, and I'm probably that sure that doesn't really, you know, come as a surprise to most, um, but not a really likable guy, uh, but, you know, a guy that had some flaws, same can be said with Michael Jordan, a great winner, a great basketball player, but was he a good teammate? You know, was he likable? Can you be likable to be that great of a player? Or is it a part of your personality and a part of who you are that you need to sacrifice to accomplish greatness? So many of these guys have flaws, And most of those flaws all lead back to their ultra-competitiveness and their ultra-competitive nature, whether it's guys on PEDs, whether it's, you know, guys whose whose teammates dislike them or guys who can't get along with the media. Like, a lot of it comes back to this ultra-competitive attitude that prevents them from connecting with the rest of us, the rest of us normal people. And uh, for some reason, even though that's the case, and even though we, I guess, shouldn't worship them the way a lot of us do, uh, we do because the athletic accomplishments um, for many people are held in higher regard than the person themselves. So one thing I want to do throughout the course of the show tonight is I want to examine the greatness of some of these players. And I want to ask you to start, like, who are your greatest athletes of all time and why? Why do you feel this way about them? Is it just the winning? Uh, what makes an athlete great to you? 
Because I find all of these guys who get to the top of their sport, get to the top of their profession, to be fascinating for so many reasons. And it really, you know, was illustrated to me and really made me start thinking about it watching The Last Dance and uh, seeing the ratings and watching a a charity golf tournament on Sunday uh, and watching the match. And uh, I found that to be uh, fascinating, that, that the kind of viewership that you get from uh, an event like that with two guys who, who with Peyton and Brady, who don't even really play golf. I mean, is it just the fact that we haven't had sports in a while and everybody's, you know, jonesing for any kind of competitive thing to watch? Uh, because I don't necessarily think that is the case. Like, I don't think if you put two other athletes out there who are average um, athletes, but better golfers than Peyton and Brady, I don't think it gets the same kind of interest that you get putting those two guys out there uh, with Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. So uh, that's where I want to start tonight. Like some of your greatest athletes of all time and why, you know, and what makes a great athlete to you? Because I don't necessarily think a guy needs to win a bunch of titles to be a great athlete. I think there are a lot of athletes that have never won championships, yet they can still be considered some of the greatest to ever do uh, what they've done. But the drive to be great, the work ethic, not all possess it, but what makes a great athlete to you? And who are some of your uh, favorites to watch of all time? Um, that's where I want to start tonight. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. And real quick before we go to the break here, I want to give you my top five athletes of all time. Um, as we, we start out, and if you want to call in and give me your list of your top five athletes, I'd love to get that as well uh, as we you know, kind of examine the greatness of some of these different guys throughout the course of the night. And a lot of them, in a lot of ways, as I said, have flaws uh, for whatever reason. And, I mean, my my fifth greatest athlete of all time, I would say, is Barry Bonds. Uh, Regardless of the steroids, regardless of the PEDs, that guy's the greatest baseball player I've ever seen. You know, I've never... I, I know he's a guy with personality issues. He's not necessarily somebody who... Uh, is beloved or was beloved by the guys he played with, certainly not by the media, um, you know, certainly not by the general public these days. Uh, but watching Barry Bonds play baseball, pre-PEDs or post-PEDs, it didn't matter. He was electric, and he's the best baseball player I've ever seen. My my fourth is LeBron James, um, one of the – most elite basketball players of all time. And we'll get into LeBron a little later because I I do want to talk about the split of opinion between Michael Jordan and LeBron James. But I got LeBron number four. Number three, I have Tiger Woods, who is the most dominant golfer um, of my lifetime. And I think the most dominant golfer of all time uh, in the end. And his career has been fascinating to watch. I mean, Tiger Woods is a guy that I wouldn't really care about golf. 
without the Tiger Woods era. Tiger Woods got me into golf. Tiger Woods, I think, got a whole generation of people into golf, and I'll root for him and and uh, watch him whenever he's on. That's the kind of impact that a guy like that has had on me as a sports fan. Um, number two, I have Tom Brady, uh, who I think is the best quarterback of all time, regardless how you feel about him. Uh, the winning speaks for itself. The numbers speak for themselves. And, uh, you know, I don't have the problem with Tom Brady. A lot of people do. Um, I actually think Tom Brady is much more likable than a lot of these great athletes are. Uh, but I have Tom Brady, number two. And then number one, um, I have Michael Jordan. Uh, with what he did uh, during my lifetime, the um, the elite talent, the elite winner, and I guess watching The Last Dance kind of cements it more than ever, uh, just his drive. And, and that's what stands out to me about all of these guys. Whether you look at you know Bonds, Le- uh, LeBron, Tiger, Brady, Jordan, the drive to be great uh, for me is something that stands out uh, amongst all of them. So if you want to give me your your greatest athletes of all time, you're welcome to, as you probably noticed, Armand. Um, I don't rank guys that I didn't see. I'll only rank guys that I've seen in my lifetime. Like, I'm not going to rank uh, Magic Johnson or Larry Bird, considering I didn't actually see them play. Uh, but in my lifetime, uh, those five are the greatest. Later on, maybe I'll give you my, my top five NBA players um, as we do some some list some lists to start out tonight. Uh, but a lot of other stuff that I want to get to. But uh, if you want to call in, give me your greatest athletes. Uh, I'd love to get those from you. 215-592-9494. Let's go to Harold in Seattle. What's up, Harold? Hey, how you doing? Great show. You're starting off great. My greatest athlete of all time was Jim Thorpe. He won two gold medals in the 1912 Olympics, and they put a phantomon and decathlon. He played professional football professional baseball and professional basketball. They took his gold medals away because they said he got paid on the semi team. To me, I consider him the greatest athlete, but he don't get enough credit. I don't know why. I think I know why because he did it a long time ago. But to me, Jim Thorpe is the greatest athlete. And if you look at what he did, nobody can compare with him. Even Bo Jackson, Jim Brown, Michael Jordan. Well, Harold, I think it's interesting because um, guys that played multiple sports, it's amazing that they have that kind of athleticism. I think in general, just the the longer it's gone on, I, I think there are guys that had the potential to do that. But as um, as everybody becomes more athletic, you just you almost have to focus on one sport. You can't focus on multiple sports anymore the way you used to be able to. Yeah, but he was great. He won two gold medals. He played professional football, basketball, and baseball. I mean, there is no one else that compared with him to me. And yeah. I would like your opinion on that. No, that no, that's a good one, Harold. And obviously, I didn't I didn't see Jim Thorpe um, uh, while he was performing, but uh, from all I've heard, he was a remarkable athlete and uh, probably one of the ones that that you know paved the way for a lot of these other guys. Uh, uh, he died in, I believe, 1953. He was born in 1913, so a lot of people don't know about Jim Thorpe. Thorpe. And I think Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player, but I don't think he's the best basketball player, and there's a difference in that. 
and I'm going to listen to your, the rest of your show for the rest of your night, for the rest of the night, because I just woke up. Oh, well, appreciate it, have Harold. a great night. Thank you. Good good timing. So Harold's out in Seattle waking up at 1130 at night. That's a that's a nice little schedule there. Um, that That's kind of like our schedule. Me and Mike have weird schedules. We sleep weird hours. Uh, so... Um, that's, that, that's, that, that sounds good. I'm, I'm, I'm happy, uh, that you'll be up and listening for the rest of the night, Harold. 215-592-9494. Uh, if you want to get in, let's get Peter in Kansas in here before the break. What's up, Peter? You know, I've been listening. Sometimes I can't sleep because I survived two weeks COVID. Oh, My well, girlfriend well, has not stopped crying. Well, I'm I glad that you're, 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 yeah, I told her stop crying. Well, I'm do, still alive. Well, that's good, Peter. I, you, I've, I've, I've overcome so many things. Uh, this is nothing new. Okay. Baseball. Well, well, well Peter, can, I ask, you, can I ask you real quick before you get to that? What was your experience life like with, with COVID-19? Were you, you weren't hospitalized at any point, right, or were you? I could not breathe. Wow. I had um, to call at 3 o'clock in the morning to get an inhaler. Okay. I have asthma. Okay. My first asthma attack was when I was 26. I remembered coldness in the uh, emergency room, and my father, afraid that he was not going to see his son again at 26, at 4 o'clock in the morning in October, before the playoffs. There are times yeah. when I wake up in chills from that day. But uh, you can't oh. breathe. Okay. There are times you need blood. Okay. I am anemic, just like a friend of mine. I am 59. I am not as young as I used to be. The more older you are, the more susceptible you are to succumbing to death. It is not a game. And people who do not take this seriously have a true problem. Well, I, feel, I, I, I appreciate you uh, sending out that message, Peter, because I think yeah, it is important that people... My, my, I, there were times my mom and dad are 93 and 92. My niece and her baby had to leave the house when I was uh, confirmed. Mm -hmm. And the tears in my eyes when she said, if my baby dies from this, I'm never going to forgive you, really Ooh. broke my heart. It's not my fault. I'm essential. No, no, it's not your fault at all, Peter. I mean, it's not your fault for for getting so, you know COVID nineteen at all. I don't want to start crying again. No problem. Because if you want to just get to your player here and smack me to wake up. Well, I don't want you getting smacked. So, so <laughs> make sure. Well, yeah, I want you. Way. Don't I want like you it suffer. When she does it, because I like pain. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, all right. you want to get in with your player there, Peter. All right. I have seen many players come and go. Uh huh. From. Uh, Catfish Hunter, Reggie, Don Baylor, uh -huh. Bob Boo, Pete Rose, Michael Jack Schmidt, okay. Steve Carlton, Tug McGraw, what is, you got to believe. But when Reggie played and those home runs flew, the day I got so much respect for Reggie Jackson was when he was crying in the outfield in Yankee Stadium in August of 1979, when Thurman Munson died. That's when I became a true Reggie Jackson fan. For yes. basketball, you have Dr. J, who I saw in 1994 mm -hmm. as his son was in addiction, a carrier. I saw uh, Willis Reed in Hobbled. But the best basketball player is the one who has the most rings. 
And that's not Jordan. That's not uh, LeBron. That is not even Shaq. That is Bill Russell, who is underrated mm-hmm. and unappreciated and deserves better than the way he's been treated to a game he played with love and uh, didn't play for a lot of money. Well, that uh, that's well said, Peter, and I appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Thank you for your that, – that, that, I mean, that call took a lot of turns. It was started – you know, I, I do appreciate Peter – issuing that statement as somebody who's had uh, the coronavirus and um, talking to people who who do think it's not that serious anymore, because it was frustrating to see some of the videos um, like the the people down in the in the Ozarks who are, you know, basically like hundreds of people just jam packed together. Um, I understand that as we go about this, people are going to loosen up a little bit and people are going to, you know, socialize a little more, but be careful about it. Like, Mike, I heard you tell him, Ricky, earlier, people are kind of getting in groups now, but they're staying away from other groups. That's what I've observed as well. Yeah, no, that's really clear. Yeah, so there was that part of the call, which I really uh, thought was, you you know, a great message. But then, I mean, it got a little little risque there. When um, when he, he was talking about he wants his wife to come over and hit him because he likes pain. That was I wasn't expecting that. Wasn't yeah, expecting uh, that at all. Brett Brown had a moment like that earlier this year, <laughs> Brett right? Brown. Oh yeah, he did. Didn't he he said he, he yes he, he likes the pain of playing without Joel and Ben. Yeah, they were on that they're on that West Coast trip where I think they had the most hellacious 90-second stretch. You remember that at the end of the <laughs> yeah, first right. half of that game? The Lakers went on, like, a 20-2 to run in, like, a minute and a half. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Yeah, uh, Anthony Davis. <laughs> he just went insane. Against uh, Al Horford. Yeah. Um, but that was another uh, uh, shift of the call. And then Mike types up on my screen as, as, you know, he's going through his goats. How does Don Baylor get mentioned? Don Baylor, he wasn't a, gr- a great player, right? He's no, he's, he's more... a very good player, but he's we're talking goats and Don Baylor get to mention. Right, we're we're talking the best of all time. When we get back. I want Mike's five greatest athletes of all time, and I want to give you another. Uh, I, I want to give you a review of the last dance here. But uh, it's funny that he brought up Bill Russell because uh, somebody else shares that opinion uh, in media, uh, <laughs> and this guy also doesn't have LeBron in his top five of basketball players of all time. Uh, so we'll get to that a little later on. Um, and some contradicting statements between a couple uh, NBA, uh, one current NBA player and one former NBA player, uh, both, uh, I guess, uh, with Celtics ties. So we'll get to that a little later on as well. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly. Uh, in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly filling in for Big Daddy Graham on a Tuesday morning. This is yesterday felt like a Sunday all day. Uh, you know, I'm in on, you know, it's a, I usually have my, my Monday and a Tuesday shift. But yesterday it felt it felt like a, a Sunday, like all day long. My wife was off from work. Uh, so, uh, you know, she was, wasn't doing wasn't doing much and just. You know, um, I, I, I'm trying to be cautious here, not disparage my wife at all. I don't want to make her seem lazy or anything like that. But she wasn't, you know, wasn't wasn't working, not not uh, working on Monday. Neither was Mike. 
Uh, Mike, how no, I wasn't. <laughs> were you were you down the shore this weekend? Yeah, I it was. Uh, I couldn't think of a better place to be while not producing your show. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. Well, me and Kyle had a, a decent time last night, but glad Mike is uh is back in tonight. Yeah, um, just in time for National Blueberry Cheesecake Day. National Blueberry Cheesecake Day. Interesting. Uh, that that's a that's a a, a good one. Um, I I I am looking forward to going home uh, in the morning. Because uh, I, there's a movie that I've wanted to see that just hit Netflix. I want to know if you've seen this, Mike. Do you see Un- Uncut Gems with Sandler and KG? And I no. think Francesca's in it. Oh, is he? No. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I heard Sandler talk about it with Bill Simmons, but I, I, haven't, I don't know if I'll ever watch it. Yeah. Uh, it just hit Netflix, though. So now it's free. So I think I'm going to check that out um, when I got home. I listened to Bill Simmons and Ryan Rosillo's pod a podcast from this week. They seem very optimistic on the NBA, so that's good news. They're pretty plugged in, even though Bill Simmons last week or two weeks ago said, oh, season's over, and then the next yeah. day they're coming back. So <laughs> I don't know how plugged in he really is. Uh, do you ever get the feeling that, like, I get the sense, like, Bill's plugged in, and then right before they hit record, Bill fills Ryan in on what he's hearing, and then as they're recording, Ryan pretends like he's in the know and, like, yeah. He's like plugged it, but he's really just he, all he knows is what Bill just told him five I, minutes ago. I, I listen to that podcast because I like basketball a lot. I don't really like either of those guys. I definitely don't like Bill Simmons. Uh, Bill's fine because he, I don't know, he just I, I appreciate the historical context he brings. Yeah, but he 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 clearly hates Philadelphia. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Um, but to start the show here, in a minute, I'll give you my final review of the Last Dance. We're talking about greatest athletes of all time since they've been in the news. Uh, a lot lately. When you look at um, Michael Jordan, the last dance, getting those kind of numbers, the match this past week, um, the Lance Armstrong documentary now. Uh, so I wanted to get people's greatest athletes of all time. What what makes a great athlete great? And I give you my top five. Uh, Mike, what are your top five greatest athletes of all time? All right, so, you know, the two, or I guess there's three for anyone my age would say. Brady, LeBron, and Tiger Woods. Yes. Don't really have to explain either of those three. Um, I would put – this is where it gets tough. I would probably put – I want to put one tennis player in to represent, like, kind of that sport. Huh. And they're all so close. I would put Djokovic ahead of Nadal and Federer. Oh, wow. I thought you were going to go with Serena Williams. Yeah, but it's just like – I. Like, if she played Djokovic 10 times, she probably would lose 10 times. Right. But, I mean, it's a little different. It is. Um, yeah, and she, you know, yeah. She's in the mix, but. That's I, fine. I don't yeah. want to put. Yeah. I don't know if I put her. I would Actually, I would put Barry Bonds out of her. So, Barry Bonds. Yeah. Barry but Bonds, I think, should be in Him there. at the. His. Like, his seasons from 2001 and 2004 are like. They're like video game numbers. Right. And, I mean, there's a reason for that, but. Like, it's a shame with Bonds because I really do feel like even if uh, he had not done the PEDs, he still would have been great. Like, he wouldn't yeah. have had the same power numbers, but he may have had a longer career. Like, um, he he still, uh, I think, naturally would have put up better power numbers. Not to the level he did, but, man, he was an amazing player. And he just does not get, I think, the kind of do because of the PED stuff that he should get. He was amazing. Yeah, I mean, he probably had 400 home runs before he ever touched a drug. Yeah. So, yeah, and then, you know, he really would have had 3,000 hits if he, one, didn't get blackballed out of baseball. And then, two, if, you know, you take away, like, 
what just a quarter of his t- intentional walks, he probably gets to to uh, three thousand hits. Um, yeah, I mean, all time leader in walks and home runs. That's six. I'm looking at it now. Six hundred eighty eight times he was intentionally walked in his career. That is incredible. Yeah, that is incredible. So um, uh, we're we're talking about greatest of all time here. Uh, so if you want to call in and give us some of the greatest that you've seen, and obviously me and Mike coming from a younger perspective here, uh, considering, um, you know, I'm 33, Mike, you're what, like 29, something like that? I'm 27, yeah. 27, sorry. Uh, aged two years there. But, you know, we're coming from a younger perspective. But if you want to call in, give us your greatest athletes, uh, I'd love to get those from you. 215-592-9494 is how you get in. And, uh, you know, a lot of my inspiration for this comes from watching The Last Dance over the last several weeks. And I am so upset that this is over uh, because I, I enjoyed it a lot. And I think this gave you a real different kind of glimpse into Michael Jordan that we've never really never seen before. He's never been the most personable guy. Like, even during his career, was never somebody who really let you inside uh, his life. And not to the level a guy like LeBron does. Like, I, I'm just trying to envision. I, I couldn't really envision Michael Jordan doing corny Taco Tuesday videos in his kitchen, like like LeBron does uh, with the, with the Taco Tuesday, um, uh, but Michael Jordan really, you know, gave you some insight into his life and what made him the great player that he was in a lot of ways, and you saw it throughout this documentary why he is the way he is, and it's this competitive drive, and it can be used as a positive and can be used as a negative. Like, you see, even his relationship with Charles Barkley is fractured to this day because Charles Barkley called him a bad GM. And it's like, you know, he can't forgive Charles Barkley for that because he's got this relentless competitiveness that he uses everything as a slight. And uh, throughout all of it, I thought it was just just tremendous um, in so many ways. And, uh, you know, the, the last two episodes, I thought, were probably the best two of the entire series. As, you know, my lasting memory of Michael Jordan as a kid growing up in that era was 1997 and that, that game five against the Jazz, that flu game. And um, I still don't know if I believe the new... Uh, I guess, well, I guess it's more than a theory if, if Michael Jordan says it's what happened. Uh, Tim Grover, his trainer, said it's what happened. But I still don't know if I completely believe that it was food poisoned pizza. Like Tim Grover, Jordan's trainer, uh, says, yeah, I had a bad feeling when five guys showed up to deliver the pizza. Well, then why'd you let Michael Jordan eat the pizza? Like, if you had a bad feeling about it, it's the night before game five of the finals. Wouldn't you just not have him eat it? So I don't know. That 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 didn't really pass the sniff test for me. I mean, there have been rumors that Michael Jordan was hungover potentially for that game, and that would seem to make more sense. Um, but regardless of what the case was, the way he was able to persevere through however he was feeling and play the way he played in that game remains – 
maybe the most impressive accomplishment I have ever seen. You know, there's that image of him just over on the bench with an ice pack on his head, uh, just in in looks like, what looks like to be unimaginable pain. And somehow he goes out and he scores 38 points, hits big shots at the end of the game, um, and, and leads the Bulls to a win, and then end up winning the series. So I, I thought that was cool. I, I thought that story was was interesting. One of my favorite parts of the documentary was all the stuff about Steve Kerr. Like, I did not know all of that. I knew something tragic happened with his dad. I didn't know exactly what it was, where he was an ambassador or a professor. I forget what country it was. It might have been Libya. I'm not exactly sure. But he was assassinated for um, political reasons, essentially. And, you know, extremists uh, assassinated him, assassinated his father. And... um, I did not know the whole story behind that. They kind of did that story late to kind of lead up to him making the game-winning shot in 1997 uh, in that series. And Steve Kerr is a really interesting guy uh, because you look at him and the impact that he's had on the NBA over the last 25 years is pretty incredible for being a... I guess more than a marginal NBA player, but like an average NBA player um, and obviously accomplishing more as a coach. But, uh, you know, I, I look at it and it's it's an interesting parallel I draw between Steve Kerr and a guy like Eli Manning because I don't think Eli is a Hall of Famer. I, I've said multiple times I don't think um, – you know, Eli is a great quarterback. Mike, you seem like very taken aback by this comparison. This comparison makes no sense. It does make sense. No, I will, I'm going to explain right, it right go now. Go for it. Well, because Eli, I don't think, is a Hall of Famer on any level. But I think the most compelling argument for Eli is that you can't, like, describe the history of the NFL over uh, the course of the league without mentioning Eli Manning multiple times. Same thing with Steve Kerr. You know, and, and I'm not saying Steve Kerr is an equal player-wise, but making the game-winning shot in 97, being on those Bulls teams, and then being the coach of what I feel was the greatest team in NBA history, you know, you can't you can't tell the history of the NBA without mentioning Steve Kerr a lot. It's a, it's a little mean, bit of a stretch, maybe. What, so but, the only comparison – so the comparison works because Eli has a Hall of Fame resume and Steve Kerr has a Hall of Fame resume, therefore they're comparable. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> okay, maybe it doesn't make as much sense as it did in my head. But uh, Steve Kerr is still an important figure in the NBA. I'll tell you what, Steve Kerr and Randy Johnson have a lot in common. <laughs> okay, okay. I, you know what? I'll con- I'll concede this one. Okay. Not often, not often will I just concede an argument because I can usually argue pretty much any point I feel like because it's kind of my job. But I'll agree. I'll actually agree with Mike. That was a dumb comparison. <laughs> And I sounded like an idiot. So that forget my Eli Manning and Steve Kerr well, comparison. For once and for all, Steve Kerr is the Eli Manning of basketball. Yes, that 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 that'll, that'll uh, maybe I should tweet that out. Is Steve Kerr? Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do a poll. Is Steve Kerr the Eli Manning of the NBA? And we'll it'd see how great, it comes like, back. It'd be like the people waking up at like 7 a.m. just seeing what? that tweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's what we're doing it for. We're doing it for the shock value here. Uh, so uh, <laughs> we'll do that. But uh, with the last dance, one another thing that I found funny about it was the Pacer series in 98 where they're going up against Reggie Miller. And Reggie Miller is one of my favorite um, players ever. 
Uh, I just loved his competitiveness and the way he played. And one of the best shooters, probably was the best shooter in NBA history before uh, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson uh, came on the scene. But w- uh, it was a common thread I noticed throughout this documentary where, you know, there was a play in the fourth quarter of that game seven where I think the Pacers were down two or up the Pacers were up two with five and a half minutes left or something. And there was a jump ball that the Pacers lost. And they're like, they're all Reggie Miller's like, yeah, I mean, if we won that jump ball, you know, maybe I hit a three, we go up five and the whole game's different. Still five and a half minutes left. Like, (laughs) how do you use that as justification where if this one thing would have happened, we would have won the game. But so many guys like from Michael Jordan's, Michael Jordan's contemporaries that he beat, so many of them said similar things. Like, I've heard Carl Malone say, well, if, if the refs called it straight up, you know, we would have beat them in 97 or 98. Gary Payton says, if George Carl just put me on Michael before we got down 3-0, uh, we would have won that series. Um, you know, uh, Charles Barkley talking about if they had just, you know, done this one thing different earlier in that series, we would have beat them in 93. Uh, Some of the Knicks guys have said the same thing. Like, well, none of these things happened, so maybe it wasn't just these one thing. Maybe if if one thing had gone differently, maybe you still would have lost because Michael Jordan was just better than we were. Like, it's not that confusing. Isn't it like a crazy concept that uh, George Carl waited – four games to put his best defender it is crazy team's best player and his his rationale i heard an interview with george Carl recently where he said he knew they were going to need gary payton on offense so he didn't want to tire him out on defense but it's like well if michael jordan's scoring 40 points a game maybe you adjust your approach before you're down three you gotta keep him fresh for the summer yeah but even so like do you really think if they put gary payton on michael jordan all series they would have won the series no no yeah like, it's ridiculous that uh, so many of these guys keep saying these one things. If we did this, if this one thing went differently, we would have won. It's like, no, Michael Jordan, the Bulls are just better than you were. Uh, it's not that complicated. Um, so I like that. The end of the 98 series, um, that way, the way that all ended uh, was was crazy. I still can't believe they didn't keep that team together. I still can't believe that you would break up a team that – won three straight championships, and really six straight. When you look at seasons where Michael Jordan played a full season, they won six straight championships, and he just broke it up. Um, And were they willing to come back or not? Uh, You know, could they have gotten everybody back? I'm not sure. But I actually want to play some sound here from the last dance talking about that. Um, Here is uh, Michael Jordan talking about uh, the fact that he would have played again in 1999 if the Bulls had changed course and decided to try to go for it again. In 98, Krause already said at the beginning of the season, Phil can go 82-0, and he was never going to be the coach. So when, when Phil said it was the last dance, it was the last dance. We knew they weren't going to keep the team. Now, they could have nixed all of it at the beginning of 98. Why say that statement at the beginning of 98? If you ask all the guys who won in 98, Steve Kerr, Judd Bushler, blah, blah, blah. We give you one-year contract to try for seven. You think they would have signed? Yes, they would have signed. Would I sign for one year? Yes, I would have signed for one year. I've been signing one-year contracts up to that. Would Phil done it? Yes. Now, Pip, you would have to do some convincing, but if Phil was going to be there, if Dennis was going to be there, if MJ was going to be there, to win our seventh, 
Pip is not going to miss on out on that. Now, I, I don't necessarily agree with Michael Jordan on that. I think it was pretty evident that Scottie Pippen was not going to come back. I mean, he sat out half that season because he said he waited on surgery till right before the season because he said he didn't want to bleep up his summer because they weren't paying him. He almost, like, didn't come back at all in 98 and then decided he would. But I, I don't necessarily think they could have gotten Scottie Pippen back. If they did, um, they may have been able to win a championship uh, with it being the lockout year. But here's more of Michael Jordan talking about possibly uh, his regrets not going for it again in 99. It's maddening, you know, because I felt like we could have won seven. Uh, I really believe that. We may not have, but, man, just not to be able to try, that's, that's, that's something that, you know, I just can't accept. For whatever reason, I just can't accept it. And it is a shame just for everybody's basketball fans we didn't get the chance to see them try to do that because, you know, that lockout year is a bad year in the NBA. I think the Knicks ended up making the finals as an eight seed. Uh, so it was they, – they clearly, even without Pippen, the Bulls may have won the East in 99. Um, and then whether they would have beaten the Spurs, I'm not sure. I mean, hey, this, the Eli Manning of the NBA changed to the Spurs. If he's on the Bulls, Bulls probably win that series over the Spurs. Right, uh, yeah, th- he he was playing like good minutes for the, the Spurs teams. I think he and, yeah. and Avery Johnson and, and Elliot. I think yeah, uh, the 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 ninety nine Spurs. I guess yeah, a- I guess Avery Johnson and Steve Kerr were their were their two point guards. Yeah, I remember Avery Johnson had a huge three in the clinching game. Really down the stretch. I, yeah. I remember nothing of that series. Nothing. It's never like you never see any highlights or anything. For, I mean, it was a it was a five game series. Like you know, it's not that remarkable, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't know when the last time I've seen even a highlight of anything from that, you know, that NBA Finals. No, and I'll get to that a little later on, um, uh, something pertaining to that. And, you know, big talk lately has been asterisks next to championships, which I think is the dumbest thing ever. But we'll get to that later on. But if you want to give me your thoughts on the last dance and uh, the Bulls not going for it in 99, that really is disappointing because who knows what could have happened uh, if they had if they had gone for it, if they had – uh, at least giving it a shot. I would have at least liked to see. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Uh, see Matt and Hamilton there. We'll talk to Matt when I get back. Also, I want to give you my social media complaint of the day. I do have one, uh, so I will get to that when we return. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. The question is now up on my Twitter feed. I forgot to put a question mark, but I think people understand that it's a question the way it's phrased. Is Steve Kerr the Eli Manning of the NBA? As now that I say it out loud again, it is one of the dumbest statements ever. Right? Well, right now we have three votes. 67% of the people say no. So one one person agrees with me. Two people agree with Mark. We'll see how that goes. I've left this up for nine hours because I, I think it, it is uh, going to be funny as Mike talks about the idea of people just waking up and seeing that tweet and being like, what? That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense at all. Especially because you did it the week that, uh, the like, the first Sunday with no last dance. Right. And this is bothering me. I'm going to have to delete it and, and put a question mark. I'm going to have to. I can't I can't have it without a question mark. Okay. Uh, I, and because uh, the, the, um, the, the, uh, my follower Robert would be very upset with me for not having proper grammar. So I'll ha- I'll have to correct that so Robert doesn't get mad at me. 
Um, but uh, at Tommy Kelly 44, by the way, where you find me on Twitter. 215-592-9494 is how you get in. Uh, talking about the greatest of all time athletes uh, as they've been in the news a lot lately, and it's really been all we've had to watch with the last dance and the match. I'll play some sound from the match coming up here um, because I, I had a lot of fun watching that. Uh, but um, with all that stuff going on, that Lance Armstrong documentary, it got me just uh, thinking about the greatest athletes ever. So uh, if you want to get in on that, give me some of your uh, greatest athletes of all time. I'd love to get those from you. 215-592-9494. Let's go to Matt and Hamilton. What's up, Matt? Hey, Tom. How are you? Good. How you doing, man? I'm okay. Uh, just quick side note. I hope you're in Mike's dispute resolves with uh... – some it has some resolve to it and you guys and there's some kindness that blossomed from it that's all i can say because i'm dealing with something personal at work right now like that so it just made me made me think of that it's rough man it is rough when you're not you know when you know you don't really like a person that you're working with um so yeah, it, yeah. it is and it's it's funny because really just, just win with class lose with yeah. grace and resolve with kindness that's e- all i can say exactly so i appreciate yeah. that man thank you okay to both you guys but anyway <laughs> uh yeah, I wanted to get to my athletes. Um, I've seen, I've seen Barry Bonds in person, and I don't know. I'm going to make a Michael Jordan reference. I don't know if you've seen Space Jam when yes. Bugs Bunny drinks Mike's special stuff and bulks up. He it, it reminds seeing Barry Bonds post uh, whatever you want to call it era. I seen him in the Bahamas when I was on vacation with my family, and it was the biggest person I've ever seen. I, I mean, he's in, he's in my top, but I just wanted to note that also. Um, yeah, I think, I Matt, know. and it's a shame because he was such a great athlete. And, I mean, I honestly, with the baseball guys, I don't care as much about the PEDs because I think pretty much everybody was doing it anyway. But it's a shame how, you know, his greatness gets totally over- overshadowed by that. Yeah, and, like, I, I just – I remember – I mean, I've seen a few athletes, but I just remember being in awe at the time, like, wow, that's – that's a big, big guy there. But uh, so I got in my in my top five, and then I got kind of an honorable mention to throw in. I got two um, major sports. I got MJ and Barry Bonds, and I got two Olympians. I got uh, that I've seen Michael Johnson, who I thought was just phenomenal. And uh, I got to go winter sport too, so I'm going Bodie Miller, even though huh. that might not be up your alley. But uh, he was an all-time broke all the skiing, ski racing event records. And uh, I got uh, one minor sport kind of is Roger Federer, who I thought his sustainability and, you know, just taking over from Sampras. Uh, uh, was it Sampras? Yeah, it was Sampras. I thought was, and his sustainability post that into, into his older age was kind of, you know, those are my top five. But the one guy that I got, I would throw into my elite is uh, Barry Sanders because, just I just remember watching him when I was young like that. He was like an innovator of like his athleticism, you know? And like I always admired his humbleness. Like that's something to be admired with an athlete. I don't know. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, no, it is. And um, Barry Sanders, you know, wasn't around all that long. Like I don't remember a ton of Barry Sanders, uh, yeah. but he was he was great in his time. And if you talk to like any – contemporary running back like any current running back or a guy that's played recently pretty much all of them say that that Barry Sanders was the best that's ever done it like Emmett Smith has the records but Barry Sanders is the guy everybody looked up to as a player yeah I got a question for you before I leave but uh yeah I just remember watching bits and pieces of Barry Sanders I don't know if 
Scott Mitchell was the quarterback at the time, but I he had know a lot he of bad a, quarterbacks. Yeah, he had a lot of bad quarterbacks. I know he never won a Super Bowl, but I just remember watching him like early, like before he was maybe right before MJ's time, and like then MJ came along and kind of, or maybe at the same time frame. But uh, you know, Michael Jordan was on television all the time, so it was kind of like I just remember Barry Sanders being one of the first athletes I ever saw got to watch that was just really like I thought I thought he was up there as far as athleticism but I don't mean to curve the topic Tom but is are we going to see Dak Prescott this year against us and how do you feel about it if we do or don't yeah Matt I mean it's going to get done with Dak Prescott the Cowboys the Cowboys are just really dumb the way they've done this whole situation like the like the Eagles and Cowboys both have different strengths and weaknesses as front offices like the Eagles are really good at locking guys up, uh, not as good at drafting. The Cowboys are the opposite. They're not as good with the contract side of it, but they're good drafters. And it's like the, it almost uh, – it doesn't matter how good you are at drafting if you can't get players on affordable contracts. And the Cowboys waited way too long with this Dak thing, and it's why the Eagles signing Carson early made so much sense. Yeah. Like, eventually, if they have to franchise – like, they'll, they have franchised them. They'll figure it out. And I think they'll end up getting a long-term deal done, but they're going to end up paying Dak Prescott way more than he's worth. Yeah, I mean, personally, as an Eagles fan, I like to see him. I like to see him with Andy Dalton, just you know, so because I think they'd be better off with Dak. But if he, if he if he doesn't want the contract, I mean, so be it. But that's just my personal preference, not to like knock on wood or anything. But I mean, he deserves to get paid, I guess. But uh, yeah, man, uh, I enjoyed the last dance. Uh, I thought episode 10 was the best, and I watched more of that golf game last, uh, a little bit more yesterday morning, and uh, I enjoyed that Eagles comment that, uh, I heard you play last night, but I enjoyed that Eagles comment that Brady had. Anyway, thank you, Tom. No, no, yeah, of course. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. Yeah, we'll play some of that stuff again later on for people who didn't hear it, but um, the match, I loved it. I did. I don't know why golf wouldn't just do something like this every weekend until sports are back. Like, I think sports will be back six weeks from this weekend, I said. Um, July 4th. It's a Saturday. Assuming baseball can get their bleep together with the the contract side of it, with the um, figuring out the money, uh, which I think they will, that's the day that would make sense for baseball to start. So, um, up until then, though, why wouldn't golf or other the, the, some of these other sports, like, uh, why wouldn't you try to rush into this void right now where you can get massive TV ratings? UFC has tried it. Their ratings have been uh, phenomenal for the events they've done. Uh, golf, if you can hold these kind of charity events, made-for-TV events, as this one was, um, I think it would be really smart. But I want to get to that a little more later on and talk about how it pre- presents a real roadmap uh, for sports for the networks, and how you can do things to enhance the broadcast without fans being in attendance, because I I find it what TNT did with that match broadcast, I found a lot of those things to be really interesting. 215-592-9494, See Mike and Mike there. We'll get you guys after the break, and also I'll give you my social media complaint, which I didn't get to this segment. I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.